discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. Do you know what's also suspect? How quickly you turned. Okay, proto-pope. Super-pope. Uh, uh, Maybe. It's not relevant to the discussion. You're wrong. Moving on. And I don't trust credit cards. No, no, don't bring the Egyptian illusions into this. Welcome, everyone, to the Second Rate Saints podcast. Um, I'm your host person, Caleb. To my left is... I'm Joel, the producer. And to my left... I'm Colton. And to my left... Uh, my name's Josh. I made coffee. I'm holding a book. To my left is Caleb. Wow. Um, book you're holding. Yes. You read it. Yes. Over the last little bit. You're getting text messages because you didn't turn your phone off. I turned it. It's oh, actually my iPad. Sorry. Okay. Um, what'd you read? Tell me about it. Um, I read the book, J.I. Packer, Keeping the Ten Commandments. J.I. Packer's the author. Mm-hmm. He's a... The late... The late. Keeping the Ten Commandments. Keeping the Ten Commandments. It's a small, like, 120-page book um, for on on the Ten Commandments, but also the importance of why... Well, he gets into the idea that, like, Christians today, a lot of them have kind of just, like, forgotten. Like, we used to have this thing where, like, everybody had them memorized mm-hmm. at some point. And then in the last, like, 40, 20 years, we kind of just stopped carrying and now nobody knows what the Ten Commandments are even though theologically within the early Old Testament they were like the signpost of what a good a good moral life looked like. Right. Um, and how he's arguing that the Christian should know them and also practice not doing the things that it says to not do specifically but it's in the old testament how is it still relevant absolutely yeah um because these are not civil laws given to a nation these are moral laws as signpost of god's character so of what it looks like to be a good person even for those outside of the jewish law um and so what it is to be righteous and the law derives all its rules from the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. um, and so also it, they're they're special because they were written by God in Exodus twenty. They were spoken by Him. Yeah. Moses got them written on a tablet, broke them, broke them, and then got them remade. And God's like, "Ah, oh, fine. You do it this time. You do it this time." Um, and then they're recorded twice specifically. Um, and so he gets into the importance of discussing the law, biblical law. Um, as found the Torah um, in both the Old and New Testament. And then he gets into the Ten Commandments and kind of in like a four-page light summary talks about them and then gives you like study questions on like pondering them. Yeah. So like, what you're telling me is that I shouldn't murder. You should not murder. Okay. Yeah. But then he also get, does a good job at explaining. Well, also in the New Testament, Jesus enhances that and says hating your brother is murder. Okay. Um, and so, like, he, he does right. a good job at bringing the, the Jewish law into the Christian context, the Christian understanding. Um, and, yeah, 
Okay, here's a question. What does he say about the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath? Um, he lightly, without getting into much argument, talks about how the Sabbath has been transported in, to the, in the Christian life from the last day of the week to the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. Does, um, does he talk about the... Of course, it's only 120 pages, so yeah. looking at it here. Um, it also gets like emphasized way up. Yes. Um, it becomes almost archetypal in a sense. Yes. There's it's the, not just a day of rest. It's an archetypal... The coming age of rest yeah. like that Hebrews has yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And Does the, he get into that or not? Uh, like lightly. Like they have one sentence. That's like, fair. It's, yeah. it, it's only 120 pages. It's four pages on each chapter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, and so it's very quick. But it's like, yeah, with like the do not lie thing. He, he's... There's... there Now, interestingly, he does... He doesn't spend time arguing points because there's always the argument when people get to do not lie mm. um, of the like, well, the whole, uh, what if I'm hiding a, what if I'm living in 1940s Germany and I'm hiding a Jew in my basement or mm-hmm. my walls Right. from what do I do? Do I lie? Right. Right. To save them. And he basically says, if you're forced into a situation where either choice is sin, lying is the less, lesser sin. Um, Interesting. And so that's that's just where he's getting at. But the 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 discussion he goes on the importance of truth mm. about how Jesus claims to be truth as God, how God doesn't break his promises, so you shouldn't because okay. you're supposed to be like him, stuff right. like that. Right. Um, and that it has, yeah, cool. He, he does a really good job of just like emphasizing the importance of these rules, not as like a do them or you die. But as a like, hey, these are markers of a good life that God has decided that God has made the moral right living, um, and as Christians, we're all about that, and so you should uh, do it and read this book. Interesting. Do you agree with him on all of the points? Like on all the points on the, I mean, people are always going to have controversy over the lying one. Okay. Um, and I think that's that's the only problem, but I don't think it's a problem of him writing the book. It's there's four pages to talk about lying. And so he's going to talk about all the topics in the Bible that are important. And making that point is just like a add-on. Right. So. Okay. So here's the thing about the Ten Commandments, right? Mm-hmm. The first four are in relation to God. Yes. The last six are in relation to everyone else. Yeah. Or man's relation to everything else. Yeah. Um, what do you say to those that are... <clears throat> would say under grace we're no longer held to the law, and that includes the Ten Commandments. Because I've heard that one surprisingly. Um, if that's the case, then they're saying that um, murder is okay. Not necessarily. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think anyone would ever go and say, oh, mur- murder is yeah. fine. Um, but I think they would twist that. Also, nine of the Ten Commandments are reiterated by Christ. Um, yeah. Yeah. The only one that's not is the Sabbath. Um, yeah. And that also- one isn't stated by creation right guys <laughs> yep that's true well and now everyone's mad at me <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i think the what do you do with people who say you're not held onto the law well what what that means is that you're not you're not being you're not condemned eternally because you did not satisfy the entire law christ's through grace imputed grace onto you has fixed that 
That's what that means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's still as out of gratitude, mm-hmm. um, out of obedience to the one who has saved us, we should try to live the most moral life we can. Mm-hmm. And so the Ten Commandments being a perfect frame from God himself for what is the moral life yeah. is a good example and central to the law itself. And so yeah. it's it's the moral system that the law derives itself from. Yeah. Just also yes. from God. Mm-hmm. So should the Christian obey the Ten Commandments? Yes, but not for salvation, but out of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think I have a different opinion. Yeah. Uh, also, Christ does talk, like when he's asked what the greatest of the commandments are, it's love your God with all your body, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. And the second being love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which, is which is interesting because those are the two categories. Yes. Yeah. Um, also all, as far as I'm aware, all of the ideas of the Ten Commandments, except for the Sabbath, kind of, um, the principles are still, are reiterated or, or the commandments themselves are reiterated by Christ. Um, thou shall not murder, even if we don't, aren't bound to the law of the Ten Commandments, doesn't mean that it condones murder. That, that doesn't make sense. It's not the opposite just because it's not the law kind of Exactly. Um, there are a lot of principles in the law that we are not held to, but we should still observe kind of thing. Well, I think the idea for, excuse me, I think the idea for a bit there too is we don't adhere to them in a salvific covenantal, um, way that Israel as a nation had with, uh, with her God. I think we, we read the old Testament to know to better understand the heart of God in that given social context so that we can better understand the heart of God today. Yeah. And I think the the Ten Commandments are still are, are, are a crystal clear example of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of the, sometimes you, you, places in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, you get into more specific cultural laws at that time, and you're like, I, I need to know a lot more about my historical context yeah. to know what's going on here. Yeah. But clearly with the... Yeah. But it's far more clear in the Ten Commandments. And, I mean, to push into the New Testament, where that discussion of, are we still under the law, comes from, um, the book of Galatians. Yeah. Our book. Directly. Directly talks about this. Talks about the living in the spirit. Mm -hmm. Before we get into Galatians, do we just want to talk about the church of Galatians? Like, what was happening? Why, Why does Paul write this letter? Yeah. Um, because it's very, like, the content of the letter is pointed at the reason. Absolutely. Um, it's likely the Southern Galatian churches, although mm-hmm. people debate about Southern or Northern yeah. Galatian churches. Likely Southern. Does does mess around with date a bit, because then it's like, well, when did he go to these churches? Because he seems to have a personal uh, relationship with the recipients, all that kind of stuff. Um, likely Southern, um, the Southern Galatians. It's one of the few letters, not few, but it's one of the... One of the letters that even secular scholars still say, yeah, Paul definitely wrote this one, um, which is interesting. Um, so Pauline authorship is fairly, fairly concrete compared to the majority, not the majority, the others. Um, however, Paul goes there, establishes the church, then he leaves to go establish, establish other churches. And then for those who have read the New Testament, they know that there's this little group of Judaizers that come after and follow and then they try to convince the people that paul has brought to the faith that they need to add some little 
bits of Judaism in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're coming out of the Jewish faith, therefore you got to keep the Jewish traditions, right? Well, it's it's the idea was be, would be seen that you are join you are now joining the people of God, which have been the Jews, um, and so into Israel kind of thing, mm-hmm. which Paul himself does use that vocabulary and yep. that idea. Um, yeah, that's the context of what's going on there, and so you have Judaizers that are coming, they're convincing the Gentile converts to uh, to take on circumcision, the yep. sign of the of the people of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paul's whole thing in Galatians is, no, that's not the no, that's not the point. Um, justification is brought through faith, not through that covenantal law, which is what circumcision um, is a sign of. Yeah, he puts into perspective what the law is in the biblical perspective. Yeah, yeah. like this, what what is the purpose of the law in the first place? That kind of thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's the context, and then that he's that he's writing the letter to. That this is the issue he's addressing. Um, yeah, and I mean you see that all throughout Romans as well. But Romans is said to be written afterwards. So do you believe that this that Galatians is represented in the larger work of Romans? Yeah, yeah but, but Romans is also. Not, I don't think vice versa. No, no. Yeah, but I think I think Romans is uh, Romans is the big brother to. It's funny, well, even though it came later, but it's the big brother to Galatians because it also has many points in Galatians that are much more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. But Romans is less of a less personal as well, right? Because he doesn't know the recipients and he's not addressing very specific concerns. So he's laying out like a grand case of this is his the, this is the the gospel his theological teaching. Mm-hmm. As holistic as he can present in Romans, yeah. and so I think. Well, in Romans, there's a thought that he may have been writing it to his benefactors to find the next place to preach. Well, the idea would be that he would stop there on his way to Iberia, Spain, yeah. um, and that likely he's writing it so that he will become acquainted with the church in Rome, um, so that they can uh, not just assist him, but probably help finance his, his ministry in Spain. And it was go- and the church in Rome was going to become important regardless because it was the capital city capital of the city. empire. Yeah. 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 I like that. I've, you know, this year I've definitely grown more accustomed to Galatians. and uh, mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Galatians no, is good. good. It's interesting because it's the gospel message applied to a very personal problem. Yeah. And, it, mm-hmm. and it reveals mm-hmm. the gospel message, some core aspects of the gospel message, um, and how that affects very specific problems that sometimes can still arise. Sometimes we don't have the Judaism pro- Judaizing problem. But, uh, but we do have sometimes people who want to inf- uh, trap people in the slavery of the law. Or a law. Yeah. 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 That that you have to obey to achieve, to receive grace from God, and also since the vast majority of people who are Christians are Gentiles, somewhat mm-hmm. relevant to all those people. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, so we want to just start f- going through the flow of the argument. Yeah. Paul starts by greeting some people. Paul starts with greeting people. He's pretty straightforward, and then he gets, and then he gets immediately yep. to his topic, and he's just like, hey. Who bewitched you? What's going on? He might get immediately to his topic, but one thing I thought was interesting about Galatia is that he also starts with the eschatological hope. He doesn't usually do. Um, 
yeah, he, he says the Christ who died for you is mentioned. Um, but that's not a common part of his greetings in other, other books. Really? Yeah. Which means there may have been some eschatological disagreement. Am I thinking of Ephesians? No, that's right. No, uh, in Ephesians, there's, there's, it's as well. Yeah. But Ephesians is also an outlier in Pauline mm-hmm. um, letter writing a little bit. Right. I don't know. That's, I didn't, uh, didn't catch that, but that's interesting. Yeah, Paul gets into a greeting, and then he explains that, hey, no other gospel exists. And so the idea is there is the gospel that he preached to them, that they heard, that they accepted, that's, that saved them. Yeah, and there is no other gospel besides that. There is no salvation outside of that. Don't go looking at a different gospel, nor listen to people who preach a different one. Yep. Yeah, and even go so far into saying that the this other group that came by, because they came second, it's not the real. Yeah, the false teachers. Yeah, what I like about that is he taught his greeting has that in it. Like his greeting says, "Paul, an apostle, not from men." Well, that's going to get into that's yeah. going to get into his defense mm-hmm. of his of the gospel gospel message. Yeah. At the end of chapter one, he yeah. he makes the point that it's no, I've been appointed yep. um, a messenger of the gospel by Christ Himself, not yep. by men. And then he goes into in chapter two as an, well. I'm an apostle for these reasons, and I'm like that kind of thing. I am who I say I claim I am, kind of idea. Well, yes, but the idea is that the message that he of the gospel that he got, he did not get from the other apostles. He got right, right. from Christ. And that's that's that cuz that's a big contention even within the Judaizers. Judaizers would come mm-hmm. and say, "Ah, we came from Jerusalem. Um yeah. this is actually like Paul's good and all, but sometimes he gets a couple things wrong. We're actually the ones from yeah, the other apostles, and we know what's up, and blah blah blah. And one of the the examples that he that Paul uses to defend that he also has authority, and this is his accusations against Peter that mm-hmm. that Peter yeah. was also being a hypocrite that, uh, mm-hmm. before. Well, even before you get to to chapter two, mm-hmm. he says like, "I didn't preach this for man. I'm not getting popular off of this, yeah. right?" It's yeah. like, why would I make this up? <laughs> and I love that kind of point of view from Paul. Is like. Yeah. And it is still a great rebuttal to anyone who doesn't think that Paul had an authentic gospel. It's like, yeah, he wasn't getting much out of it, right? He, well, he was. He was getting a lot of prison time and yeah. a, getting hit a lot, beaten, <laughs> shipwrecked, <laughs> room and board. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was not a great time for him. Yeah, and for him to, as he says, to swap from being the one of the best Jews. Mm-hmm. In his age group, the up and coming yeah. starves Pharisee of Pharisees. Yeah. He was a prodigy of one of the greatest yep. Pharisees. Um, for him to leave that to be impoverished, beaten, and imprisoned because of this message, treated as a heretic, that's not a move one makes. No, not lightly. <laughs> no. Yeah, Paul was on his way to make his own disciples either way. This yeah. wasn't like a, a power move in any way. Yeah. Right, he was gonna be a significant significant figure, whether he came to the way or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? um, yeah. But his he's adamant in it that he did not receive his gospel from anyone but Christ Himself. Yep. Yes. Um, moving into like chapter two, his defense still continues, and he uses as you're describing earlier. He uses his um, experience when he first goes to Jerusalem, and then later in Antioch when he confronts Peter. Um, when he first goes to Jerusalem to go talk to them, this is after he's he's been he's converted. He's gone into 
um, past Damascus. Mm-hmm. It's not clear if he studied or whether he preached. I think I'm leaning more towards preached. Yeah, I've heard kind of both. Yeah, and, and it could be both. both. Um, we're not entirely sure exactly what he was doing out there. Mm-hmm. Didn't he spend three years in Damascus? Yeah, Damascus and past Damascus. In oh, Arabia. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so generic land. Cut to the Aladdin opening. I mean, that's where he was going to begin with. Yep. Yeah, the road he was to on Damascus. the way. Yeah. 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 Um, he comes to Jerusalem. He talks to, I believe the first time, he just talks to uh, Peter. Right? Is that the first time or second time? Paul continues. Second trip to Jerusalem. That's the second trip. Um, I don't remember who he talks to the first time. Regardless, Peter's there. Peter's the first one. Uh, there, I think there's one other, though. Um, he stays there, I think it's for 15 days? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, verse uh, 18. 18. Then after three years, I went up in Jerusalem to visit Cephas, Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James and the, the Lord's brother. Isn't it interesting that he calls him Cephas in that one, and then Peter, when he starts criticizing him? Yes. Right? Because yep. he's like, this is your original name. Is that, is that right? Yeah, Cephas is the, yep. the original Jewish name. Yes. For Peter. Simon. Yeah. And then in the end, he goes, hey, Peter, you're disagreeing with Christ. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this is the name that Christ called you. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. it's very good. It is funny. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, something interesting with all of this is that the other books kind of attest to all of this being true, what he's describing as his life. Like Acts describes a lot of this. Um, mm-hmm. Parts of Corinthians describe some of this, that kind of thing. Um, so when he's making these claims about himself, we can see how that's played out in other books. Yeah. 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 You can map out Paul's life mm-hmm. remarkably well for someone who was not an important figure in the first century. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it turns out, now we know a very important figure in the first century. Yeah. Um, but when he goes there, talks to Peter, um, his whole thing that he goes, he's, I went there so that I was not preaching the gospel in vain. Mm-hmm. So his whole thing is, he was preaching the gospel, comes there, hey, this is my, this is what I've been telling people. Compare notes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay, we're good. Sidestep. This is more just a funny thing. Okay. Um, do you guys think it we- weird that like you have every- all the other apostles and disciples mm-hmm. were like you know blue collar worker class, mm-hmm. right? And there's there Jesus dies, like comes resurrects and ascends, right? And they're all like, all right, we're gonna go preach the gospel message. We figured it out. Yeah, theologian comes in and is just like, okay, you guys see these connections? And they're just like, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely saw that. That sounds good. good. <laughs> it comes like a, yeah. comes into a meeting, constructs this whole theology, yeah. presents it, and there's yeah, sure, Paul. <laughs> well, it, it's also like like Paul's out there like getting on boats. He's like doing the adventuring stuff, like getting sick, working hard. Peter's just at home, has a has a house, <laughs> eating <laughs> like, with his friends. <laughs> yeah, should have been doing that. Yeah, <laughs> and that gets into the second one. So when Peter goes to Antioch, yeah. yep, and um, takes a day trip, takes a day. Well, it wouldn't be more than a day, <laughs> but he goes to Antioch. Yeah, right. He's eating with the Galatian, uh, not Galatian, the Gentile um, brothers, right? And then some dudes that James sends come up. Yes, probably and, part of the Jerusalem Council, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, when they start coming to go 
see mm-hmm. Peter, and Peter catches wind of it, and he's like, "Oh, I got to step away from the from the Gentiles," and he runs yeah. away. And Paul just gets all up in his face about it. Yeah, he uh, he calls him out for being a hypocrite. He calls out the one Jesus said is in charge of the church. Um, the Pope. For, yeah. 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 No. Okay. Proto Pope. Super Pope. It, it, maybe. Um, so it's not relevant to the discussion. You're wrong. Moving on. Yeah. So he's at least the like in the James was the head of the Jerusalem Church. So he ended up being a, probably the most important apostle at this time. But like theologically speaking, from Christ's own mouth, was like, "Hey, here's the keys uh, to Peter," um, and he was. He's probably the oldest and the like, um, the one significantly pointed out by Christ mm-hmm. for this task. And Everyone Paul, outsider, not, not a part of the 12, comes to him. And he's like, hey, you're not living up to what the, the vision God gave you. Yeah. You ate with Cornelius, and then now you're not, you <laughs> yeah. said you can eat with the Gentiles, but now you're not eating with the Gentiles. What's, what's wrong? Right. Yeah. And this gets in this and here we get to the point where the the dividing line mm-hmm. is 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 made where it's okay, are the Gentiles in Christ, those Gentiles who are in Christ, yeah. are they purified and sanctified and made holy part of God's people or are they not? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do they need to do some works or do they need to fulfill some of the works in the Old Testament mm-hmm. to then actually join God's family? Did Christ death and resurrection actually changed the yeah. dividing line. And did did the receiving of the Spirit signify? Yeah. What, what did that mean? Yeah. yeah. Did it mean, yeah, exactly. Is that how you're leading into chapter three? Or are we kind of already in chapter three? I, we're, we're starting, starting to blur, blur a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're those blurring two the things. lines. Yeah. Yeah. But, but here's the thing too, Paul's actually, it's actually kind of beautiful the way Paul writes because he does this thing where he'll, he'll set up his word plays before he actually gets into the topic. So his terms start to bleed into the section before and the section after. Yeah. Because he's good. Yeah. (laughs) He's good at his job. Well, yeah. And what I I think is cool is you can see how Paul writes differently to different people. Like here he's using a lot of Jewish Old Testament responses. Like, um, Like topics, getting into the history of the law, blah, blah, blah. Um, whereas in Corinthians, you see him bringing up like rhetorical devices taught by Greek rhetoric, rhetoricians, uh, archetypal points made by Greek philosophers and yeah. like cultural motifs found in plays. Mm. <laughs> Pair that with his personal letters to Timothy and Titus yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And like you can, it's so cool seeing how Galatians is so fitted for the people. Yeah. He's not just writing an argument. He's writing an argument for them specifically right. to to understand to be honest with you i know very little about the people group in mm-hmm. anatolia at the time mm-hmm. um the galatians i know that they were they were from middle eastern not middle eastern but the middle the of east anatolia of actually they were um settlers from eastern europe they were right. extremely hardy people that came in conquered and mm-hmm. all that um, but I know very little about their culture. Did do any of us know the? 
The only thing I know is that they had a kingdom called the Kingdom of Galatia, which I'm pretty sure was taken over by the uh, Romans. Yeah. Well, doesn't that go into the northern and southern idea? There's, is yeah. that if it's if it is northern Galatia, then it was multiple s- small cities mm-hmm. um, because there would have been multiple churches in northern Galatia. Whereas in southern Galatia, it's they're fairly certain it was just one church. Yeah, there, there may have been, been but by by one. I mean, church, there would have been smaller like, house churches, but yeah. like there would have been one central one central location yeah. with a bunch of house churches yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's also it's also worth pointing out that these are these are people that are um, heavily Greek influence. Yeah, but are those themselves probably not that Greek? Yeah, well, and especially for the the Jewish diaspora mm-hmm. that makes up. A significant portion of this church. Mm-hmm. Now you go to cities like Ephesus, and you, the closer you get to Greece, those are very heavy Greek influence. Yep. Um, but it's uh, at least according to from my memory of the historical background is um, these people would have heavy Greek influence, but are not themselves Greek, and would still have factors of their non of their non Greek origins. This isn't the the city that has Artemis reintegrated into Greeks. No, I'm thinking of Ephesus. Never yeah, that's mind. Ephesus. I'm getting them confused too much. Yeah, we'll have to do another episode in Ephesus. I'm so, oh, so good. <laughs> um, yeah, and and Paul at the end of chapter two, after talking about giving his account of co- confronting Peter, he then restates his whole no, I got my gospel through Christ and no one else. Yeah. Um, and then he gets into, then chapter three is his real formulated, kind of aggressive yes. rebuke. Who bewitched you, Oakley? He's surprisingly combative. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Comes in swinging. Well, yeah. It's actually a tonal shift where it goes from like the exterior influences of Galatia to like, hey, but you guys aren't like innocent either. Yeah. yeah. Peter's doing his own thing and it's whatever, yeah. but like you guys. Yeah. You, get your stuff together. But do you know what's also suspect? How quickly you turned. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Was, the whole thing is like oh, it's great. Yeah. The whole what what was started in the spirit? Are you going to finish by works? Like what what happened? <laughs> Who bewitched you? I was with you not that long ago and now you turn away. Yeah. To these other teachers. Well, it, you know what it does? It kind of sounds like Jesus when the disciples would sin, and then Jesus was just like, How long do I have to be here? How long must I bear with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it opens up with a discussion on the faith of Abraham. Yep. Um, about how uh, before the law, God was going to bless, God promised Abraham that he would bless the world mm-hmm. through an offspring, through his offspring. It's funny that he makes an interesting note that it's not offsprings, but an offspring. Yep. If my memory is right, though, it's... The it's seeds. Yeah. yeah. Seed, not seeds. Kind yeah. Of idea. So, therefore, it's through but it's man. But, by, but the very term... Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that simple. Yes. The very term itself is, like you say, fish. Yeah. Right. Does that mean one or many? Because it could be many. Yeah, exactly. And so, it was, it's the same idea in the word. Yeah. Way. Um, but yeah, so through, and that through faith in the promise, um, they, Abraham was made righteous. Yes. Um, and that his, his righteousness, his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Yes. Um, and that uh, in a little bit, he gets into the law comes after through Moses, mm-hmm. but does that doesn't, a law, God has made the promise mm-hmm. with Abraham. 
the law after doesn't annul the promise. Mm -hmm. It doesn't doesn't, change it or undo it. Yes, exactly. It doesn't remove the previous thing said. Um, And the major example he gives is when two people make a covenant, no change is made after the covenant. Yep. Um, And so like when you make a promise, specifically God, he always comes through. So if you promise to bless the nations through faith in an offspring, that the law putting the that the Jews lived under does not remove somebody. As as far as I'm aware, the only way a covenant can be undone mm-hmm. is if one of the members breaks it. But well, sorry, uh, with with the story of Abraham and his covenant with God, Abraham is put to sleep and God Himself walks through. Therefore, being yeah. the only person who like a unilateral. Uh, responsibility on him and not on abraham yeah well and that gets into you and see, god won't break his promise you well you see it in galatians you see it more specifically in uh in romans and there's this idea of that uh, god remains faithful despite people's yep. unfaithfulness yeah this whole uh, abraham thing is quite heavy in uh mm-hmm. in romans as well yeah yeah um introduced in chapter two however is the small little phrase yeah that the rest of the letter begins to build on is that by the works of the law, no one is justified. Yes. Um, and it is only through faith. Um, that's two sixteen. That, yes. uh, that, 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 that I, that phraseology is introduced. That same phraseology is in Romans as well. Um, but the word justified there, um, is, a, is what he's talking about when he's, that dividing line that caused the split with uh, Peter and the and the Gentiles. Gentiles. Right. He couldn't yeah. eat with them because they weren't righteous. They weren't justified. They weren't the um, the word justified or to be made justified. Yeah. Um, to cover a bunch to, to to jump over a bunch of scholarship that still debates about this. And there's still some newer things that have published in the more recent in more recent decades about newer different perspectives on how justification works and Paul's view. Um, but to synthesize it and say a very easy statement: to be justified is to be made righteous, made right. Made, mm-hmm. It's a positional thing. Yes, right. Um, it's not a character thing necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. Not the justified, the, like the verb to be made justified. Uh, we've um, talked about justification in a larger extent on a different yeah. different episode, mm-hmm. um, which was very fun. You should go listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, pa- what Paul is saying here is that there's the, the the very thing that those Gentiles were not righteous in in a righteous position before God, and that is why Peter couldn't interact with them yeah. supposedly. Right. Yeah. Yet the Jews were because they were in following the Mosaic law. Mm-hmm. And so the accusation, just going backwards and reiterating what's happening, just for yeah. clarification, Paul is asking, so does Jesus' work justify or not? Because if it does justify, which is yeah. the whole argument, yep. Peter should have been able to eat with them without fear because that's what works. Which, is, which is the truth. Well, yes. not, not just that. It's that Paul, Peter's miscalculation in thinking that by being uh, obedient to the law is what justifies him. He too has a misunderstanding mm-hmm. about himself, not just about them, 
but about himself. Yeah. He has this false idea, like you're saying, that they're not justified because they're not under the law. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not justified because you're under the law either. Yes. You're justified well, because you as a disciple of Christ had faith in him. Yep. Yeah. Well, one, one, of the, um, one of the ways we could call justification is to be made clean. To be brought into righteousness. Only in a theological sense, not in a linguistic sense. Sure, but either way, it still kind of falls into the whole... In Acts, Acts chapter 9... When, uh, or is it chapter 10? Peter receives the visions of mm-hmm. uh, the, the animals that God, God offers to him, and he says, I will not eat it. And he's, God says, do not call unclean what I've made clean. Yeah. And it is an allegory for the Gentiles to him. And so that's why it gets into why Paul is so against Peter. Is God has called the Gentiles clean. Don't call them unclean. And so when Paul, uh, Peter goes back on his position and just eats with the Jews yeah. for multiple reasons. Well, so, social reasons. Yeah, it's yeah. hypocrisy. Yeah. 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 So jumping back into three. Yeah. Well, well, to finish the 2.16 passage, because okay. it, it is one verse that you, you quoted the, the A section. Um, <laughs> uh, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we also believed have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. He does a little chiasm there. He does a little chiasm, and it's also yeah. the it's also the that is the basic theology yeah. of the letter. Yeah. Um, the condensed form. Mm-hmm. And so now we get brought back to Abraham. faith yeah. in the offspring, the promise that would bring blessing mm-hmm. to the whole world, not just the Jews, the whole world. Yes. Um, and that. That also ties in Paul's argument about the Gentiles. They are made clean. They are justified, specifically, the word used. They are blessed by the seed of Abraham. Yeah. Now, he, he, doesn't, present, he, he doesn't present the promise of Abraham mm-hmm. and the righteousness that comes by faith as opposed to the law. No. Which is, which is something that can be mistaken and has been mistaken in yeah. church history. Okay. Um. But he goes on to describe how the law functioned in relation to mm-hmm. that promise and that the, the coming forth of that promise. Yeah, that illusion I made 30 minutes ago. Yeah. The, it, a I guardian. Mean, isn't he doing the archetypical argument that we were talking about earlier where he brings up a point of a, of a character? It's, they were saying, uh, what was it? How can they be made righteous? And he goes, oh, well, think of the most righteous person you can think of. And they're like, oh, our father Abraham. Mm-hmm. Right? And he goes, well... I mean, he wasn't a Jew. And they're like, no, he, he was. He goes, well, not before God made him one. <laughs> Notice he was proclaimed righteous yeah. before he was circumcised, which is the whole big yep. deal yeah. in Galatians. Yeah. And then there's the whole point of like, well, he didn't have the law given to Moses. So how was he to know? Mm-hmm. And then like there's this whole yeah. build up of the unilateral covenant. And then yeah. it's... It's very cool. I like yeah. it a lot, especially because I like going... Abraham's my favorite biblical character, um, <laughs> yeah. so I like that he uses him as, a, yeah. as an archetype to explain it. I don't fully understand the, the Hagar and Isaac illusion that I, comes it's later. I think, Caleb, we've talked about this, I think, off the podcast, about weird New Testament... Re- like, Paul is saying, like, hey, you can use this as an allegory, He's like yeah. he's not saying that that's what the story's about. Yeah. Hagar and Ishmael. He's just saying, "Hey, here's a, an example from the text to describe a parallel 
that's not being presented in the Old Testament, but I'm going to use it because it's fun. I just want to double check. Uh, when he does say the whole Hagar yeah. and Ishmael thing, before he says, my te- te- yeah. textbook Bible says in brackets, this is a metaphor, not the actual thing that happens kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's He also uses, um, that was a common rab- early rabbinic or proto-rabbinic yeah. Um, approach to interpreting the Old Testament. Um, it even started to go off the rails during the first the, the first yeah. century um but you can see where it mm-hmm. yeah right for those not familiar with new testament studies what do you mean by rabbinic um there's a movement in jewish scholarship it actually takes over judaism after the destruction of the temple in 70 a.d um is this where we get the talmud and the mishnah absolutely um and so it's how do we reinterpret the law or just interpret the law to begin with in our, in our context, without a temple, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not doing the movement justice, to be honest with you, in this explanation. Yeah, it's big, diverse, and complicated. It gets uh, even more complicated with the Mishnah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah with, but you see elements of it, especially prop up in synagogues and, and different, uh, different localized teachers and interpreters of the law. And so you see, this, you see the early movements of it mm-hmm. prop up. Mm, really like f- f- first second century bc mm-hmm. um but with the destruction of the, the temple it just catapults it and so you see paul's also influenced in hey this is how jewish rabbinic teachers mm-hmm. um approached old testament texts to mine meaning from them right. um there was actually in in i think it was our class um joel and i's class um on hermeneutics where they discussed how one of the approaches was simply you just as if the biblical text is a rock and you just bang it with a hammer from a bunch of different angles and you see what pops off. Which is funny because that's the whole reason Moses couldn't go into the promised land. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, I, that's that, true. That metaphor should not be followed to its conclusion. <laughs> no. But either way, um, but I, I do think the point is interesting there that Paul's writings, it's almost the fork in the road of the way Christians and, and, and Jews will read the Old Testament. Right, because you have the rabbinic um, hermeneutic models. There's like the 52 rules or whatever, it, the gematria. Like you can go on a super deep dive on what all that's supposed to do. I've been looking at biblical numerology lately. doesn't make a lot of sense for Christians, but it has some really cool implications for the Talmud and the Mishnah. Um, <laughs> to, yeah, to, anyway. to be correct, biblical numerology is a kind of, it's whack. It only works when the author intended it. <laughs> yes, which does happen. Mm-hmm. If the author is making a numerical puzzle, yeah, follow it. But if the author is not making a numerical puzzle, don't like like there probably isn't. Yeah. Anyways, I felt like a sensitive issue for you. Now. It's so funny because we'll we'll put that in places where it was never meant to be. But then as soon as we go, oh, the mark of the beast is six six six. They're like, this must be that. There's going to be a literal six 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 written down somewhere, and we got to watch <laughs> out for that. And it's like, no, there's. <laughs> The hermeneutical approach that you've been reading into Genesis—that's supposed to go at the end. <laughs> when the no. again, rabbinic interpretation actually yeah. has a method that John would have been associating with that. So you're saying Anyways, if I don't look at every 666th letter in the Book of Revelations, I won't come across a name that is Nero? No, you will. Right? No. Is that what you said? <laughs> no. <laughs>
Without getting into okay. it, the numbers are related to near, to the name Nero. And I don't trust credit cards. I'm sorry, I haven't made this any clearer <laughs> whatsoever. I, I was like, hey, let's define our terms. Anyways, 666, what does that mean? Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. With all these different rabbinic traditions and how Paul might be tapping into some of those, when it comes to Hagar and Ishmael, how exactly is he using that? Allegorical. Right. Meaning the, uh, the concept would be, um, that this isn't the uh, this isn't an actual teaching of the Old Testament. Right. This is not something that can be authoritatively taught. Right. However, he's using an Old Testament story mm-hmm. to get a in a point across. Yeah, as a model or as a example, a story that people would know. Right. And um, identify with. Exactly. But Caleb, now that that example's in the book of Galatians, and Galatians is inspired. Yeah, but it says in brackets, this is metaphorical. Here's, 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 my, here's my answer to that question. Okay. Josh, you know I don't know this yet. <laughs> you're, you're right. I want to make you panic live. Panic live on a recorded stream. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it does, like, I think specifically for his point, it works, but not as an understanding of the story by itself. Well, how, what, did, what does he use with this example? What does he say? Oh, I think he's only, like... Only the point that he's making about work and, like... Right. The and Hagar and Ishmael are the law, kind of. No, thing. they're just placeholders, like, for, for like, his metaphor. Well, I think the... And, and if you're to follow the metaphor or allegory or whatever, the idea is that Ishmael is the... Is the promise brought about by man's actions? Yes. Right. Yes. Isaac yes. is mm-hmm. the child brought about by God's promise. Yes. Right. And the separation of well, this is when we tried to save ourselves. Now mm-hmm. this is when we are saved ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if yeah, it's. I don't know if I'm following that to the to the point no. where it's supposed to be. Well, it's definitely a part of it for sure. At the mm-hmm. very least. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's interesting also that just before this, Paul starts to soften up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because For the it, only time. <laughs> that's not true. Yeah, you're right. Um, but in chapter 3, you know, he starts off that, as we say, comes in swinging. Yep. Um, but then he lays it all out, does his argument, like, come on, what, you guys don't get this. And then he starts to soften up. He goes like, hey, yeah. I remember when I was with you and we spoke and you took care of me and my eye ailment and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then he embarks in this allegorical example of, okay, now that we've, we've done a little bit of the theological f- laying out of the laying, laying it all out. Let me give you some examples. Here's an allegorical example. Yep. Um, also something, something that we didn't touch on, which I, I think is super interesting. So mind if we just step back a little bit in chapter four, Josh brought this up earlier. Mm-hmm. The The law is likened to a keeper or a master or a guardian, almost like a headmaster type role. Before you get into the example, this is what he's saying is the definitive, this is how, this is the purpose of the law, yeah. not a means of justification. Yes. This is the purpose of the law that we have skipped over for hundreds of years as Jews. Yes. Now like a quartermaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's this, it will train you, it will teach you. But it's not the actual thing itself, um, and also it's it's worth keeping in mind that in in different cultures at that time, also in elements of the Roman culture, people would be brought up. They would sometimes even have a have a slave that would raise their children, teach them, 
um, how to do arithmetic, writing, rhetorical stuff, all that kind of stuff. And then once they graduate from that, then they are counted as true heirs. Yeah. Before that, they're not quite. Like, yeah, they are. Interesting. But they're not quite legitimate, fully functioning in the household heirs. And that's it's, it's just worth yeah. keeping in mind that that would be the social context yeah. of what's going on there. Well, and the benefit, Paul kind of alludes to this, is that there's a positive effect, a positive good and a negative good that comes from the law. The positive good is it teaches you the heart of God, as we talked about with the Ten Commandments. It teaches you the moral standard, what what is good, what God wants from people. Um, but it also teaches you the gravity of your sin. Yes. And Romans gets into that more in yeah. way more depth. Yeah. And in and it also provides that path for Jesus to obey, mm-hmm. for him to become that perfect sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So So he explains what the law is, right? Softens up a bit, reminds them of their, their context yep. uh, with him, their relationship. Gives the analogy of Hagar and Sarah. Yes. Um, and then it downshifts into five. Mm-hmm. Chapter five, which is all about, okay, so you have been made righteous in Christ. You have freedom in Christ because you're not under the law. Yeah. So now what? Because mm-hmm. now he's starting to formulate... The, the logical outcroppings of his statement yeah. that, hey, you are justified yeah. under in Christ. You don't need to follow the law. Yeah. You're no longer a slave to the law. You're free. You're free. Don't, don't go, go get circumcised then. Don't, 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 don't try, try to justify yourself yeah. according to the law. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In fact, uh, if, you continue to, if you continue to seek being justified by law keeping, um, he goes so far as to the idea that, hey, you're severing your relationship with Christ, yeah. which is rough. Yeah. Um, well, you're on, taking the freedom in Christ into your own hands. Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, well, and that and that harkens back to his his statement in chapter three. What was started by the Spirit, you're going to complete with acts of the with works of the law. Now, like, mm-hmm. what you, do you think you can do better than than God's Spirit? Yeah. Um, well, is this the part of the argument that is directly related to Hagar? No. This this comes right after. Yeah. No. No. But I mean, is what you're saying the sacrificing of freedom in Christ? Is that the taking it to your own hands in, yeah. in the sure. metaphor? Is that Hagar? Yeah. It's not in the metaphor, but I think it, pl- it you can see the that, connection. That is the connection, yeah. Yeah, um, it's not, it doesn't take place within his metaphor, no, okay, but, but it definitely has a thematic link that would be the natural flow, yeah. Well, because then he starts to connect, uh, living on living by works, living under the law is also living by the flesh, by the, by the ways of man. Mm-hmm. Not in the spirit, not in faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And then he gets into describing the wild. Like, this is what it looks like to live in the f- flesh. Yeah. yeah, he goes on his, his <laughs> list of yeah. this is what the flesh looks like. Yeah, as a comparison to the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And so now, now he's, you're, you're getting into his ap- the application, the living mm-hmm. out yep. yeah. of what then shall we do? Yeah, that, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want to try to do this by yourself, by your own works. Mm-hmm. You want to try to justify yourself? Well, okay, so this is the kind of life you're going to live if you do that. Yeah. Do we want which, to list is, it off? Sure. Do you have it in front of you? Yeah, I should. Um, keeping it so, Whoa. 
I've lost it. Oh, yeah, I found it. Um, now, the works of flesh are evident. Yeah, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all these, all things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you go down that path, you're not justified. Well, one of the crazy things, not crazy things, I, 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 I saw it when I was doing, when I was doing a little bit of study on, on Galatians, um, in a book written by Thomas Schreiner, Thomas Schreiner, yeah, um, he points out that by making the comparison of, hey, don't go back to the law, mm-hmm. don't sacrifice your freedom in Christ, back to the shackles of the law, yeah, and then almost draws a comparison to paganism. Like, hey, if you go back to Judaism after Christ, it's, you're just going back to the shackles of, yep. of an almost pagan-like mindset, mm. which would have been absolute, like, people would be grinding their teeth, the Judaizers in yeah. Galatia. How dare you? Yeah. Like, yeah. You're, you're, you've, now that you've cut out the theological foundation, now you're just punching them in the face. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of the, he goes so far as to say, possibly hyperbolically, I've seen different people say different things, um, that if you are a Gentile and you are circumcised, you, you must now follow under the law. Mm-hmm. You must keep the ways of the law now, kind of kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you made your bed, now lie in it, kind of thing. But, do you think he's being hyperbolic, or is he being serious? Um, I think he's being hyperbolic for, like, the, what is your purpose for, for circumcision? Right. Right? Um... Because he also later does say it amounts to nothing. Yeah. The circumcised, uncircumcised, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not a thing anymore. Yeah. I think I think in the context of Galatians um, and in the heated argument that's going on right now, I think that's where that passage should be understood. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if someone were to come to Paul, yeah. let's say, in Rome, right? Because he hasn't gone to Rome. So he writes his Roman letter. Then on his way through Rome, there's a guy who's like, hey, yeah, no, I was a Christian, got tricked by Judaizers, became circumcised. Yeah. I don't believe that anymore. I don't think that that's, you know, on par. I don't think getting circumcised after belief is on par with the uh, sin against the Holy Spirit. Yeah. um, That Jesus lays out. No. Um, I think think that concept should remain in the heated discussion that's going on with between the Judaizers, Galatians, and Paul. Does that that makes sense? Yep. I think I agree. And then the fruit of the Spirit is the true use of freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, The living in the Spirit, the living in the freedom of Christ, uh, walking in the way unshackled, um, looks like this. Um, Let me get to it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And the implication is that the Spirit will sustain the people who are in Christ. There is no no sustaining factor in the law. Yeah. Um, However, for those who are in Christ who stay in that freedom, there is a sustaining helper. Yeah, well, and further, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his with its possess, passions and desires. So he's he in like a double whammy. He's saying like living in 
faith in Christ, you produce, this is the life you will have, hopefully. Um, and you, the law is not against it. The, the, the truth found in the law, just like we talked about earlier with the Ten yep. Commandments, the ethic found in the law is not against the way of the Spirit because it comes from the Spirit. Well, And it's also a callback uh, yeah. to Galatians 2.20, mm-hmm. uh, which is... Um, why can't I... I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Yeah. And I live in, this, in, this, in the flesh. Uh, now I live in the flesh. The life I live in the flesh. There we go. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so his whole concept in there, if we're going back to to two, is that whole um, when one dies in a covenantal agreement, they are no longer held to that covenantal agreement. Um, And so Josh brought up imputed righteousness much earlier on. And that the backbone of how that exchange is done is often articulated in the concept of imputed yeah. righteousness and that's just really um through faith yeah. if i'm gonna speed run it J- just for a reminder what is imputed that's what i'm about to say oh, right perfect. now perfect <laughs> um if, if I'm, I'm gonna speed run what that is it's faith in christ allows a certain level of transference yes um, christ our sins are put on christ and his righteousness is put on us yeah as somebody put it is to have faith in christ is what is true of him becomes true of you. And that's all done through the yeah. cross. And there's there's giant theological works on this stuff. And just, uh, there's our podcast episode as well on justification. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's almost like he's talking to the Judaizers now, not to the Galatians saying like, hey, don't go back to the law. He's now saying, as if he's saying to the Judaizers, hey, guys, like, you're, you're, you're Christians. Like if they're if they're from the the church in uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which is what they likely yeah. said. He's saying, "Hey, no, you died to that law. Mm-hmm. You're no longer held by it. Run. What are you doing? <laughs> like, like don't don't go back to it and then drag people with you. No, you don't have to do it anymore. Yep. Like, well, guys, <laughs> this whole subject becomes yeah. a big big enough deal that the Jerusalem council happens in yeah. Acts 15. They decide, hey, what from the law actually matters, what doesn't kind of thing. What yeah. do we still, what should we hold to that actually is like more salvific in nature kind of thing? And yeah. they come up with four things, but won't get into that. That's a different day. It would be interesting just to do an entire episode on the Council of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. it is pivotal, and I don't know of any focused works on that. Mm. Podcast or book otherwise. Whatever. Okay. It's not something that I've read really anything on. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting because it's important. Regardless, sorry, carrying on. Mm-hmm. Talks directly to the Judaizers yeah. and, by extension, those who follow. Yeah. yeah. And then moves into practical application. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, kind of around the sixth chapter. Yeah. How to deal with offenders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You bear with, bear with one another in love. Yeah. Just yeah. as Christ did. Yeah. 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 yeah, you will break the rules. Still, that's fine. Just that's why you have each other. Fight it. I mean, I think the practical application of Galatians today is just read out Galatians. <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, the like, best the, the best best of Jesus is just reading the Bible. Yeah, you're not wrong. Okay, so I'm not gonna say that right off the bat. That the best exegesis you could do is just the Bible. What do you mean? 
my whole, that goes my, into my, like the Pentecostal hermeneutic no, of revealing. My joke is my best. Yeah. The joke is that the best thing you can do to explain the Bible is just read the Bible. Oh yeah, yeah. that's that's step one, guys. <laughs> that's 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 what that's what I, that's that's the joke. That's but how you what do I'm evangelism. Is you if you wanted to preach this book, yeah. it's already done for you. <laughs> it's a message in right? and of itself. Put yeah. some footnotes in, modernize it. Maybe don't yell at Peter because he's not really doing anything anymore. <laughs> also, don't switch out following. Don't switch out following the law for something really mundane, like listening to radio or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's. I think what you're getting at is, don't make light of something so serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. don't just replace it with what you want to condemn that day. Mm-hmm. Well, what would be? No, let's finish the flow of the argument before mm-hmm. that. Oh, have we not? Oh, nope. I'm sorry. We're almost there. Joel's just so excited to talk about application. Are you talking about uh, Paul setting himself aside all the time? No? No, but do you want to? Because I don't Paul's know Paul's final you warning mean. and benediction? Yeah, his, his benediction being like, I'll pick up my cross, I'm going to decrease, guys. And then he writes a couple more books. <laughs> <laughs> I'll digress. No. Also explaining how he's decreasing. That's yeah. not a diss on Paul, because that's not who I am. But <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Uh, the picking up his cross daily is the actual application of it. It's like, hey, die to self. And this is what Christ commanded us to do. Mm-hmm. Let's keep doing that and don't forget your first love. Yeah. yeah. And the sixth chapter, he summarizes a lot of the argument in very succinct yep. uh, succession. Um, but always on a less of a teaching lens and more on a this is how you apply this right. lens. Um, he does that with a lot of his books. Yeah, and... There is an illusion. Somebody was pointing that in the last, like 11 to 16, mm-hmm. he says, well, in 16, he says, as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, blah, blah, blah. Um, but in that, from 11 forward, there's also kind of like a a little tiny ethic on, well, how, like, a good, like, pointer to, like, understand, is this from Christ or is this from man? Mm-hmm. Um, using the circumcision illusion again. And, and it goes back to his first verse, which is, this is not from man or through man, but from Christ alone. Um, and he ends it with a similar illusion that like, hey, if more people come by, m- remember that. Yeah. Like, is it from them? Is it from human thinking? Is it from a human teacher? Or is it from Christ? Well, in the early, in the... You see that in the first or second chapter, he even goes to the point of where it's like, is it from man? I don't even care if it's an angel of light. Yeah. It's not enough. If it's a different gospel, it's not the one. Well, also because we know in another book that it, there's a specific guy that can come up in the appearance of an angel of light, and that's bad. Yeah. His name's Satan. Yep. Maybe it's Satan. Maybe his name is Satan is what I should say. <laughs> <laughs> it's pronounced Satin. Well, well, it's the Satan. Or Seth. What? No, no, don't bring the Egyptian illusions into this. <laughs> oh, I was going to derail it. Yeah, be careful who you listen to. Yeah. yeah. And that's a great idea. way to end the podcast, isn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> again, the, the fruit of, of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit kind of show this. These are the things that lead. Yeah. You can see by how they act, yeah. what it produces, if they're true. Yeah. Well, and for, I mean, Joel, you said that kind of as a joke, but like, n- like, if we are saying something on this podcast that is not from Christ, I would sure like to know. Yeah, I would like to know, but, but yeah, the test it. 
Measure it against Christ himself. Because yeah. we sure hope we're not equal to the Judaizers. Well, in yeah. a class that Joel and I were in, mm-hmm. he asked, our professor asked us, like, what's some modern equivalence with the law? What is sometimes we in the Christian church do? Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I kind of was a little shell-shocked and early in the morning, so I was just sat there going, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. So, in, so, so, here's, here's, so here's my uh, idea. I'm going to ask the question to you guys now, so oh, I don't have no. to answer it. No, but, shell-shocked me. <laughs> can you give some examples that were spoken in the class, please? I don't remember. It was like 8 in the morning. <laughs> Why do you have a class at 8 in the morning if your brain doesn't work then? Tell that to my professor. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, people people brought up a couple examples. People brought up there's the whole word faith thing. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, which is like the if you name it and claim it, believe Health it, have wealth, faith. Prosperity. Things. Yeah. Our our Joel Austin, our biggest fan, our biggest fan, the only person we're following. The only person we're following on Twitter, and the only person who follows us. Yeah. He really wants our WhatsApp number. <laughs> I don't think it's him. I don't. It might. It's probably him. I choose to. He's believe. asking for money. So. Sounds <laughs> like. <laughs> hey. Hey, if I name it, I can claim it. Absolutely. He also called us his beloved. That's sweet. He did, yeah. yeah. He was my beloved. I would love to send you Bible verses. What is your WhatsApp? <laughs> Should have given it to him. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> but that idea of you, you have, have to have, have enough faith. faith. And once you do, things will start to happen in your life. And good things. And almost exclusively good things. Your Christian vision board. Yeah. You'll just yeah. get random checks in the mail for Twenty thousand, fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars. You don't get that. You'll get special miracle water. Well, you need to have more faith because um, clearly that's that's how God interacts with His people. Yeah. And if you don't have enough faith, well, then man, you man, are you? I don't want to. Because every wanna... good gift comes from God. Um, and He wants what's good for you. Jeremiah passage taken out of quote. Yes. Yep. That was one of the that was one of the examples that was brought up. Um. You have also the on the like, the super super conservative holiness movement types, right? Where it's if you and it's also more common in hyper hyper um, hyperbole hyperbolic. Calm down. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to, get, to I'm trying to guess the word you're going to say. Hyper Armenianism. <laughs> oh, where it's like you know I can get saved three times a day because my sins pr- so prevalent. Um, that same more of a social. Um, righteousness model of okay i'm saved now but now i have to work to keep my salvation Mm -hmm. and you you see that less in the christian movement right now mainly because the pendulum swing is going the other way but it was very prevalent i even saw it a lot growing up yeah yeah Yeah. Um, there's still elements of that but that would be another example of uh of a law that someone wants to add to the gospel well or detract somebody pointed somebody mentioned this to me it's we humans, we really like, um, we like somebody ha- telling us what to do because it's easier. You're about to sound like a Disney villain. Free will yeah. doesn't exist, right? Well, no, 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 no. We like having we like having a job where somebody just we don't have to think, we don't have to work hard about yes. like how am I going to do this? What's the best course of action? Instead, somebody can just tell me, hey, um, uh. Do, don't do this one thing. Don't do these five things. Here's a set of rules. Mm-hmm. If, as long as you cover this, you're good. But it, what it does in the biblical sense is it shackles us. Whereas 
Yeah. We don't like putting thought and effort into our life. Everybody wants the, the illusion of free will, but don't actually want the responsibility that comes with it. Yeah. Now you're yeah. sounding like the Disney villain. That's me. Now, I'm the mm-hmm. position that every, everyone has free will, but nobody chooses to use it. <laughs> That's been my position. Hmm. I love it. So you, 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 you allude to this? No, 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 no. We can't get onto that topic. That's not the podcast. I have to be wrong every once in a while to balance, balance no, our podcast out. You know? No, we're talking about freedom in, the, in Christ, not about determinism. I don't even think he's talking about determinism. I'm not. He's <laughs> Either way, it doesn't feel like we should be talking doesn't about it. doesn't matter. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. <laughs> You're right. Um, do we got anything more to add about Galatians? No? I, yeah, I mean, maybe. I think we've covered it all. Was, was there any, like, highlights when you were reading and studying that you were like, oh, this is interesting, that we didn't, like, cover when we were trying one. our best to go through the flow of the argument? Here's one that I'm sure that Josh is about to mention is when... Uh, Paul says, and I am writing this to you with my own hand. Is that what you're going to talk no. about? No. Mine was going to be my audio book because I was listening to the book of Galatians over and over again. Because you can't read, studying. right? Yeah. Um, I'm illiterate. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, is when it would go, oh, foolish Galatians, the dude was so mad. That's great. <laughs> like, so it was an audio dramatization for one verse? <laughs> yeah. He was just like, oh, foolish Galatians. <laughs> It's just like, oh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Joel, you brought up the. That's Colton. Not Joel. That's yeah. Colton. The audience member wouldn't have known. Yeah, he wouldn't. Have. <laughs> he would have known when they started talking like, "Ain't me, Colton." <laughs> I can cut that out. It's fine. no, it's um, funny. Colton brought up the whole, and I'm. You can tell it is me by my by what large letters I'm writing. You know I care because look at I'm writing really big right now. Yeah, it's me. There's, yeah. there's two approaches to that. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, I'm speaking like I'm the definitive <laughs> thought on this. Anyway, for the longest time, I thought that it was, well, he talks about how bad his eyesight is. He probably is half blind. And that's why he writes big letters. Probably not. It probably has to do with importance. Okay. Yeah. That's more boring. Isn't it? <laughs> no, I think it's the eye thing. I choose okay. to believe. I think it's the stigmatism like I've never seen. Sorry, where does he say that? I think it's chapter four, but I can't remember. Uh, it's later, I had thought. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. What large See letters what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Here, this is what's just... Uh, verse 11. Yeah. Here's this thing. When I... Every time I heard that, I didn't think actual letters... I thought like the letter itself, the letter of Galatians, like he's writing huge volumes to like the Christian churches. You know, it's important because I wrote so much. Yeah. (laughs) I keep writing you guys because you're not answering my calls. (laughs) As as far as I'm aware, it is talking about that, this specific part, but I I don't actually know. (laughs) Yeah. That's just where my head went, but that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, fair enough. I <laughs> I didn't really think of that, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, it's probably translation error there. Doesn't say epistle. I mean, no, I'm not going to get into that. It would have cost that, that that size of a letter would have cost a lot of money. Oh yeah. Um, actually, one of the critiques of that some people have leveled like in that time against Paul was uh, it's just like I he talks a he, he's got a big mouth and a lot of words. Yeah. Um. Because, I, I, I forget which commentator said it, it was something effective. People would have likely been more shocked at the size of the letters before the content of the letters. 
Mm-hmm. It was just like, holy right. moly, it's so much. Like, Romans would have been, th- like, almost Which, three grand well, now, American. Here's the point. Here's to my point. He might have known that people were shocked by how, how like, large his letters were. And he's going, hey, you know that thing you guys keep saying about me behind my back? <laughs> yeah. <You're> right. <laughs> this um, is important. Well, either way, the fact that he's spending so much money and... and <laughs> yeah. Possibly even quote unquote yeah. wasting it by writing large or just writing big yeah. works. Either way, it shows that he cares so much yeah. to write this thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's important. Yeah. So if you don't listen to me, then you're bad. Um Caleb. That's basically yep. the argument. Do you want to summarize the whole thing in like a few sentences? We used to <laughs> just summarize all of Romans. No, no, no relations. Like, like we there's a there's a we used to summarize stuff at the end of older podcasts i feel like for this specific because it's it's big but it's also not that big of an idea presented um i feel like caleb has got a really good grasp of the whole book Uh, okay um i can try nobody interrupt okay um (laughs) paul goes to galatia converts people leaves jews come judaizers come they get them to adopt a more legalistic thought on how they should be made righteous in Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? Paul writes this letter in response. His whole thing can be best summarized, I think, in, in chapter two, um, in that statement of what was started by faith, what you're now going to finish by, no, it's three. What you've started by faith, you're now going to f- finish by works. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the main, like, mm-hmm. slap in the face of, like, what's, what is happening? And, at the core of it, I think, is the, um, do you really not understand what Christ has done? Yeah. Christ has made you righteous by your faith. Rejoice for the freedom that you have in there. Don't submit yourself to be, to, to the law of works and this and that, which righteousness never came by anyway. Yeah. It's a, it's lesser. Don't, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and then I, I, I think church history would show that the galatians did respond properly yeah cleaned Um, up their act yeah yeah um but i think that's that's the the core message of what's oozing through in 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 galatians and i think that affects all of the topics that he brings up um it's a very pastoral heart yeah um it's the yeah there's tons of theology but it's all about come on guys yeah well, it's, it's almost reminiscent of uh, the kingdom of Israel, where God would have to continuously remind them of the truth, mm. right? No, it the sacrifice, it's not what I want. It, no. I, I want justice, mercy, humility. I want, I, want obedi- I want faith, obedience, not sacrifice after the fact. Empty singing. Yeah, I, I don't want sin six days of the week and then come to temple on the seventh and do everything properly. Like, like he wants, well, it's it's the whole, he wants, God wants the works of the spirit. Yeah. For those who are in Christ, the spirit yeah. will sustain. Yeah. Walk in them. You are free to, there is no law against that. Yeah. You've been made righteous. Yep. Don't submit back to something that was former. Yeah. And he gives Carry a, on. And he gives a good, succinct uh, example of what that would look like in Galatians 5.22. Just the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. 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 That's cool. 
I like that. Are we good to wrap up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, um, no, Joel, talk. Oh, I was just going to say check our socials and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Joel's great on Instagram. I love yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're working on Instagram. Um, if there's a platform you think we should be on that we're not, we're not on Facebook or Twitter right now. We've got a Twitter account, but it's such a dumpster fire right now. We haven't really posted yeah. anything <laughs> on there. Um, um, but yeah. YouTube? Um, yeah, we're gonna be, we're a little bit behind on no no you know what we we got it on YouTube we're gonna we're, we're gonna be gonna, catching up by the time this is released uh, YouTube and Instagram are the two main platforms comment like subscribe or follow um, if, if you want more recommendations like the book that we talked about at the beginning what was it called again Josh uh, J I Packer's uh, Living the Ten Commandments yes. that sounds about right and uh, keeping the Ten Commandments <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Well, check out check out our website where we have a yep. whole book review section that will talk about most of the books that we've talked on the podcast, plus maybe a few extras. And keep in tune for our next episode. Philemon. Really? Yeah. That was at least that's in our notes. We'll, we'll see, see what happens. Yeah, we'll see where we go, <laughs> where the Lord yeah. takes us. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna end it there. Thanks for listening to Second Rate Saints podcast. Uh, you know, watch our socials for our next episode. Peace out. Just end it. Yeah, he wouldn't. He would have known when we started talking like, "Hey, it's me, Colton." <laughs> <laughs>